you welcome to Storytime with Adam Cole. Right there. So, Jimmy T, before we started, you were taking a shower, and me and Chris were sitting here talking, and I said, you know, Chris, this was the best and the worst of AEW all within the span of about an hour. I have to agree, man. I actually do think, in a weird way, it was one of the best rampages I've seen, but at the same time, it was a bit uh, bit messy too, shall we say. I, I, I don't understand. Chris, this was violence for the sake of violence. Um, and I, they can get away with this because it was a Halloween show. If we want to go with the final match on the show was the main event. What are your initial thoughts on tonight's main event? Um, no. Just never again. Don't do this. I'm so like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's just that I'm older now or what it is, but I can't do this. Like I'm dark for the sake of darkness type wrestlers. And um, there's no story. There's no buildup. There was no nothing. It's just, uh, who, well, it's, it's like somebody was rushing around backstage going, who do we have that's like appropriate for Halloween? Oh yeah, we've got Abaddon still. Oh right. great. Let's throw her in a, in a match. No, it's bad. Don't do it again. I do have some nice things to say about Abaddon, but we will, we'll save that for a little bit later in the show. Uh, Jimmy, I, I guess my thing is, so Wednesday on Dynamite, we saw the, the Halloween 10 man tag. And at least that had a, a method to the madness with the reveal of hangman page. And I saw WWE fans crucifying this thing. And it was like, hey, wait, 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 wait. We we have a food fight every like Thanksgiving, right? Like, you don't have a leg to stand on in this conversation. But now doing it, you know, on Friday after doing it on Wednesday, like I can't defend this crap. Like this is the crap that turned people off from the WWE. And if AEW is not careful, they're gonna do the same thing. You cannot present to me on the same show Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston and then have a street fight where you're trying like hell to put somebody through a table that just will not break and then end it with a freaking roll up. <laughs> After all that, it ends with a freaking roll up. <laughs> well, like me and Chris say on the skirmish every Wednesday night, this is what you call a bipolar company, Jago. Seriously, oh. I mean, come on, man. And that was cringe in the main event, if you want to call it the main event, whatever it was. The table not breaking and then keep trying over and over for that table to break was just cringing me out, man. You would have thought it was a Japanese table as strong as that <laughs> table was, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and they're a little bit smaller, but they're much thicker than Japanese ones. But yeah, I mean, maybe these girls are too light, man. I mean, did they even uh, practice this shit before the match? Well, you know well yeah, clearly not. Clearly, clearly not. not. Clearly you know not. what I'm saying? So it is what it is. It was just a schmoz of a match. 
So now that we got a couple people watching, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Rampage Uncaged, presented by the Hameen Media Group at channelattitude.com. My name is Mr. J, Dr. Jargo, P-H-D, and I am joined alongside the PWCs. He's the COVID kid. He's the G-A-G. He's the man who had to take a shower because we could smell his ass all the way from Australia. Jimmy T, welcome back to your show. Oh, man, that was a good intro. I'll give you that, Jago. I like it. I like it a lot, as a matter of fact. But <laughs> I just want to say, man, I'm officially COVID-free. Congratulations. So you thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, the COVID kid is passe now, Jago, but I'm glad to be here. And, of course, <laughs> we have the darkest of the darkest dark, blacker than the blackest black. Chris, welcome back to your show, my friend. I feel like we just did this a week ago, and I feel like it's going to be very much the same kind of show. Yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of the same kind of things to say. I am Christopher Ams, anyway. I am, uh, that's A-M-B-S, like lambs with Noel or bullshit first thing in the morning. Um, not A-M-P-S, which is uh, what this would have been, uh, this episode. But um, yeah, as far as... As far as, uh, you know, just quickly about uh, all that Ghostbusters nonsense from Wednesday, um, it was bad. It was really bad. It was so bad, in fact, that I just can't have any real good words to describe how terrible it was. But WWE fans have absolutely no left to stand on when they're, when they're trying to say, oh, AEW's AW silly. No, you've been silly for 20 years. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say this about what happened on Dynamite. At least there was a payoff. At least there was a reveal and it got serious and it was like, okay, Hangman was using this entire thing that he knew was going to be stupid bullshit as his way to get to Kenny Omega and the elite. I can get behind that as, you know, your lead baby face tonight. I just, why? Like, what was the point of that? And, and that's the part that I find frustrating. I can't even make any kind of logic out of it. Let's let's start with something I can make logic out of, and that's a fight. Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. Uh, Chris, I was a little worried about this at the beginning um, because at the beginning, it seemed like these fans were clearly behind Eddie Kingston and they were not into Brian Danielson at all. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, is the Cody thing happening with Brian already? And then you, this match kept going and it kept progressing. And Jimmy, when we come to you, this felt like a new Japan match. As far as like the pacing of it goes, this thing really picked up at the end. They had the crowd eaten out of the palm of their hand, a standing ovation about, you know, five minutes before the matchup would end. I absolutely loved this thing. Chris, what did you think? Oh, I thought this was great. And like you, I was very worried looking at this matchup thinking like, I don't, how, is, how is Danielson going to get a really great match out of Eddie Kingston, who I think is a really good storyteller in the ring and is one of the best guys on the mic. But I just thought there's no way he can physically compete enough to make this a fun matchup. And um, never been so happy to be wrong in my life. Um, like you, it definitely looked to be at the beginning of the match, like, Oh no, like, what are they doing here? They're really, really behind Kingston. Um, but he's just a very lovable type of guy. Like he's that guy who, you know, is going to give you everything he's got. And you know, he doesn't, he's not going to be able to give you a hurricane run or a 450 splash. You know, he's not that guy, but you know, wrestling fans appreciate what he does bring and what he does bring is toughness 
and grit and attitude. And uh, yeah, this match got better and better. And this is a, a really good example of, you know, why you want a guy like Danielson on your roster. Because he can pull a really good matchup out of anybody. That's, that's I'm convinced at this point. I think the thing that is so great about Eddie Kingston is everybody knows Eddie Kingston. Everybody knows that guy who is a construction worker who gets up and he goes to work at five o'clock in the morning and he works his freaking ass off. He's like one of the best construction workers that you ever met in your life. He's the guy that you call to help you move. He's the guy who's got the pickup truck that's way too loud. And he's the guy that, you know, everybody loves until he starts drinking a little too much. And then he becomes like a, a bit of an angry drunk and like nobody wants to be the guy who hangs out with him because he's an angry drunk and you always got to talk him off the ledge. Like it's always over dramatic. Like we all know that guy that's Eddie Kingston to a T and we would see it in a couple of different segments tonight. Jimmy T, what did you think of the matchup between Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson? Well, first of all, that was a great description of Eddie Kingston, Jago. That is exactly who Eddie Kingston is to a T. But as far as the match goes, man, this blew me away. First of all, I was going into this match not thinking anything too much, right? I mean, I, I thought, sure, it was going to be a, a good match, but not a great match. This possibly could be the best Rampage match so far. And I've said this a few times about other matches, but every week, man, I'm starting to think that Brian Danielson is going to be Mr. Rampage from tonight onwards because, man, he's been killing it on that show. And as far as his character goes, let's go back to Dynamite for a second. And you know how the fans, you'll say how the fans are not reacting to Daniel Bryan or, sorry, Brian Danielson on Rampage. Well, I mean, they, well, they reacted to him. They were happy to see him. Right, but, but then Eddie Kingston came out, and there's an Eddie, Eddie. And it's like, oh, damn. Like, this is not good. Well, think about it. Remember how you know you and I have been saying on the blow-off, and even before then on Hitting the Marks, that you know this is dickhead Danielson. You know what I'm saying? This is like a dickhead version of Brian yeah. Danielson. And People you know ain't what? figured that out yet. But, right, yeah. but it's obvious. It's clear as day. I mean, just look at Dynamite with his promo. That was dickhead fucking Daniel, man. I mean, let's be real. So I think well, he's... Well, but was it dickhead Danielson or was that, I'm trying to motivate you. Was that like football coach? You're Come on, maggot, piece of shit, yeah. Brian Danielson. <laughs> and the result was quite possibly the best match I've ever seen Eddie Kingston have. So, Easily. I mean... Easily. But, but none. The, the, the best match Eddie Kingston's ever been in. And you know what, man? I'm 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 happy to see where he goes from here. It looks like we got Punk next, but then is he going to lose? You know what I mean? Again, I think he's due for that big win. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does win. Who knows? We'll see. I, but I, I think he's due for a big win. I don't know if it's against CM Punk, but you know, I I think he's due for a big win. I think Definitely. this is more so kind of marking where we're at with John Moxley too. Like, you know, because like Moxley and Kingston are kind of like me and my buddy Dylan, right? Like we, we kind of run together and we're definitely an acquired taste for most people, right? So if Moxley goes heel, 
Kingston, I think, is going to go heel with him. And I think that's a little bit of what we saw inside of the Punk segment where we're kind of getting like a little bit of a change in attitude from Eddie Kingston and from John Moxley. And I can get behind that as I kind of look at the lay of the land on the AEW roster right now. Chris, what do you make of Eddie Kingston going forward? Where do you kind of see him falling in the cards here? Uh, well, I would, I, I would personally, you know, expect to see. I mean, what I really want to see is is Hangman win at full gear, um, but I don't really want them to just jump into the next program with the next guy. I think the appropriate thing is to have a return match against Omega, and I think in the meantime, since uh, you know Danielson and Moxley are clearly going to be facing each other in the finals for the title eliminator. In the meantime, I think it would be a really great idea to have Punk and Danielson against Kingston and Mox um, for a little program. I think that would be, I think that would be fun, and I think that it would be appropriate. And I think that it that's that's a situation where you can actually have Kingston pin Punk because uh, it's not a singles match. It's uh, you know it, it can be one of those situations where you know you slip on a banana peel or whatever, and your you know your tag partner screws up, and you wind up with the pin. Um, that would be what I would like to see moving forward uh, if they're going to treat Kingston seriously. And if not, then just have them come out here and have some more fun matches where the crowd chants Eddie, Eddie, Eddie at him. Our friend Charles asks, would you be scared of Moxley in a bar or nightclub? Um, my response to Charles is no, because I've seen Moxley's working punches. Uh, Jimmy T, would you be scared of John Moxley in a bar or a nightclub? You're, you're on mute, buddy. First of all, sorry about that. I would so not be scared of him with those working punches that he does. <laughs> I mean, let's be, let's be honest right here, right? But it, say I was, I would be scared of him in a nightclub because it's darker than a bar. So, I would be, I would be more scared of him in a nightclub than in a bar because if he's in a nightclub, chances are Renee drug him there and he didn't <laughs> want to be there. Um, I, in a bar, Chris, I think I could sit down and have a beer with Mox. Yeah, I think that he seems like that kind of guy. Um, as far as whether or not you're scared of him, you know, like here's here's the deal with me, and I know people are going to think that this is just internet talk or whatever, but I'm six one, I'm two hundred and forty pounds. I boxed for a decade. I did mixed martial arts. You know, I've, I've really gotten into fights with people and I've been doing that since I was a little kid. I'm really not afraid of anyone in a bar or a nightclub. I mean, unless you got a knife, you know, I think I'd be more afraid of Kingston to be honest. Cause I think that that guy might. <laughs> I agree with me. that. I agree with that. Absolutely. <laughs> agree with that. Um, one thing that really st stands out to me as I watch Brian Danielson matches. Now, you notice how he keeps getting like that red, on his chest. This is becoming a consistent thing. And I first noticed this when he got done with that, what he did like 68 minutes or something like that. in the greatest Royal rumble ever in Saudi Arabia for the blood money Four, I think it was, but he spent all that time in that battle Royal. And when he came out, he was blistered like super all the hell. It doesn't take anything anymore. And it's like, it just comes right back up. And I've also noticed this on guys like Walter, you know, where like anybody who has a freaking matchup with Walter and Walter just freaking pummels them. The next time you see him in a ring, couple chops, man, that raises right up. It's nasty looking. 
don't like that. Don't like that. Uh, let, let's talk about uh, CM Punk. CM Punk hooks up with Tony Schiavone to go and cut his little promo for the night, kind of see what's next for CM Punk. And I, I'm a little torn on this because, number one, when, if you're advertised you're going to get a promo from CM Punk, I would like to get a promo from CM Punk. Um, but I do like what they did with Eddie Kingston here. I like that Eddie was pissed off when he got backstage. He storms out on Brian Danielson, doesn't shake his hand, uh, uh, not adhering to the code of honor. We can talk some ring of honor at the end of the show if you want. Um, I, I really like this direction for Eddie Kingston. I don't like it against CM Punk. I, I like Kingston getting pissed off and getting into it with somebody backstage and being like, I'm going to beat your ass. Like I, I can totally get down with that because again, he's, he's the drunk guy that nobody wants to hang out with. He's had a little too much to drink and he's going to beat everybody up. I can get down with that. I don't like it against CM Punk. Number one, I don't think it's a good physical matchup in the ring. Like I, I, I just don't. And number two, Punk does not strike me as a guy who can go out there and make Eddie Kingston look like Brian Danielson did tonight. Jimmy, do you like this matchup? Not really, man. First of all, Kingston shined so much in this little segment that he made Punk look like a punk. Like seriously, Punk I mean, looked like a mid Carter. Like he, like <laughs> yeah. the acting was awful. Maybe he's not liking the direction they're they're putting him in, dude. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, again, we're going to have a little match and then it goes nowhere after that, right? I'm expecting Punk moves on to another guy. Kingston goes on to someone, something else. Then what? Like me and Chris are saying on the skirmish, we, we want a program with Punk, man. Agreed. Put him in a program. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hopefully this leads to something, but I don't have my hopes up. Put it that way. My hopes at this point are that we kind of get the opposite here, right? Like, unfortunately, I, it could become a pattern where we see, you know, Kingston versus Danielson. And now next, I assume anyway, we're going to go to Brian versus Moxley. I assume that'll be the matchup at full gear. That should be a lot of fun. Moxley gets a bit more aggressive. You turn some of the fans against him opposite of Brian. And I think we're, we're kind of off and running on the, I don't like John Moxley train. And if this leads to, you know, CM Punk goes out, has a fight with Eddie Kingston. Even if it's a walk and brawl, he beats up Eddie Kingston, drives Kingston a little bit more pissed off because now he got his ass whipped by this dude. Right. And I've known this dude forever and he just whipped my ass. So that's going to piss him off a little bit more. But if that leads to John Moxley versus CM Punk, you could get your creative program coming out of that. But I, I'm just afraid that it comes off as Dean Ambrose versus CM Punk. Like it, that's what you ordered from Amazon, and and you know you end up getting the Wish version from AEW. Chris, what what do you think? Do you like uh, Moxley versus Punk at this point? Can you get down with that? Yeah, Moxley Punk is an interesting program. I mean, it's listen. It all depends on the creative. It all depends on what kind of story they're trying to tell in it, you know. Yes, it could come across as just Dean Ambrose versus CM Punk light, um, you know, six years later, uh, eight years later, however many years it's been now. Um, but, I mean, if you if you write this properly, you can have it be a really interesting story of, you know, maybe Mox is pissed off because, you know, who does Punk think he is? And he can't. he's coming into my company. 
and he thinks, you know, because he because he hasn't been here for seven years and he's been off doing whatever and screwing around and saving his money and all this other nonsense, but he hasn't been here fighting like me. You know, you can do something creative, you know, with with that kind of a program, but either do something creative or don't bother. That's my that's my take on the whole thing with CM Punk, like do something creative with them now or just stop. Because having him come out every single week to have, you know, another singles match against some random person who he's not going to have anything to do with moving forward, it's actually making CM Punk worth significantly less to the wrestling audience. Jimmy, can we get Punk versus Moxley hot enough to do it at full gear? I mean, even as just like a mid-card program? I mean, because that's what, November 13th? So we'd have what three dynamites and three rampages between now and then could yeah three weeks with their history. Could we, can we pull that off just as a, you know, a, a throw in bonus match for full gear? Cause I mean, we got to start rounding that card out, right? Right. Well, yeah, exactly. It's true. But uh, you saying that depends what type of fan base we're catering to over here. And I'm talking about AEW. Are we talking for the for the in-house fans or are we talking about for fans? You know what I mean? Including like, you know, your your semi-watching fans. You know what I'm saying? Like your casuals or, or whatnot. If you're going for the marks, yeah, you can do a thing with them too right off the bat where everybody already knows their history, right? But if you're trying to like tell a story, then three weeks ain't enough, man. Because there's going to be a lot of fans out there that probably don't know their history for, you know, even though it, was, it wasn't that long ago. But seven years, eight years is still a long time. You know what I mean? So it could be I, one I of know, those man. things, too, where it's chapter one of the story and the blow off isn't until like, you know, double or nothing. Well, if that's the case, then I'm all for it. Chris, what do you think? Program. What do you think? Three weeks? Is that enough? I mean, yeah, again, it all depends on what they do for creative and how dedicated these two guys are to getting whatever they're being told to get over over. Um, They're both really excellent storytellers. They're both guys who know how to get the crowd in the palm of their hand. And they're both guys who know how to get both heat and sympathy. These are excellent professional wrestlers. If you tell them something interesting and you, and you have them dedicated to telling the story, they're going to do great. And just as an aside, I would very much like to see that live as I'm now $326 cheaper, but I have tickets to my very first professional wrestling oh. event. <laughs> yeah, you said you got him. You ended up getting him. I got him that's just awesome. before we went live, boys. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Boy. Well, I'm actually, boy. That's it. I'm actually pumped now for him to go, man. I'm looking forward to that show that, that we do after that. But anyway, no, I'm pumped. That's cool. Let's talk Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin with his little pipsqueak, Leo Rush. <laughs> Um, this was evidently Seidel versus Martin three. Um, I'm not sure that I ever saw Seidel versus Martin one or two, but evidently Matt Seidel was two and O against Dante Martin coming into this match. Dante Martin gets the win here. His first win under Leo Rush's tutelage. Um, guys, when I saw this on the card, I was like, okay, this is going to be the middle of the show fill some time. I did not expect it to be all this. Like there was an awful lot going on in this match. I enjoyed it, but wow. I did not expect that from Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. Should I like I, I Dante Martin at this point, every time I see him, I'm like, wow, this kid's really good. 
and Matt Seidel, I know, is really good. Why, when I saw this on the card, was I just like, oh, yeah, this will be like, you know, mid-card filler. Like, what the <laughs> hell was I thinking? This was really good. Well, first of all, can I just say that Dante Martin reminds me a lot of Kid and Play, but I'm talking about Kid. Tell me he doesn't look like Kid. That's yeah, all I've seen I see in Dante it. Martin. Right. I see it. But that match, yeah, I mean, I was expecting it to be what it was. I mean, you got two high flyers, one vet, one kid, literally. But, um, you know, yeah, look, it, it was it lived up to what it would be. I think Dante Martin's good, but can he talk? Obviously, not really because of Leo Rush being in his corner. But I want to see more out of him. I don't know what exactly that is, but I just want to see more. Chris, where do, where do you stand with Dante Martin? I mean, because at this point, I feel like we're, we're kind of on a ride with this kid. Like we're at the beginning of his journey and God knows where he may end up. Um, I mean, he could end up being, you know, the next Evan Bourne or he could end up being the next Osprey. I mean, because Osprey at this age seemed very much like, yeah, look at all the cool flippy shit I can do and look at how much I can fit into a 15-minute match. And as he's gotten older, he's figured out, oh, it's it's not about doing all the flippy shit. It's about pacing. Um, and Dante Martin will get there. He, he's still really young. Where are you with this kid? I agree with you. Uh, I think he will get there. Um, in terms of his ability in ring, He's physically absolutely incredible. Every time he goes up to do that missile drop, it's like, is he going to grab onto the fucking rafters while he's up there? Like, holy shit, can this kid get some airtime? Um, ridiculous. I'm with you on like, he's he also, I mean, he has to learn how to talk. You, you know, very, very rarely does a wrestler really get over without knowing how to at least cut half a promo. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar may be an exception to the rule, but he's a heel most of his career and he's been attached to one of the best talkers who's ever been in professional wrestling ever his whole career. So, um, you know, I, I think that this whole reliance on, well, if he can't talk, let's just get him a manager. That's fine. But at a certain point, these guys have to learn how to do it themselves. Otherwise they just aren't what, what, what they would be. They aren't worth what they would be otherwise. Um, but this was a really fun match. I was really excited about this match. The first two matches on this card was like, I thought to myself, wow, we might, we might have a really, really good. And then I stopped and I went, oh no, the main event, never mind, It won't be good. He's only 20 years old. Only 20 only years 20, old. Five years he's been in the business for apparently. So, and only, only 20 years old. I mean, that's pretty amazing. But the thing is, you know, is he going to break his neck before he's 23? Well, you called him the next Osprey, right? Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, well. <laughs> I mean, we've kind of seen where things have went for the kingpin, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, sorry, I was just going to say, is Leo Rush really the right guy to be giving him advice in the first place? Yeah, well, I guess that's uh, absolutely debatable. Um, but as far as on screen, I do like the pairing. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Dante Martin's brother. I know he's got some kind of an injury. Um, I'm not sure that I want to put Dante Martin back into a tag team. It doesn't look that way. I don't think it is going back that way. And I feel bad for his brother because of that. Yeah, because his brother's pretty damn good, too, if I remember right. Chris, he was. Do you see an upside to one over the other at this point? Because I felt like they were pretty even when he got injured. 
Yeah, to be honest with you, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and it's been a while, but if I'm remembering correctly, I do think that I said that while Dante looked like he had a lot of potential, I actually think that I remember saying that I think his brother is more polished right now. Um, they're great as a tag team. The problem with AEW right now is they have so many good tag teams and only so much, you know, hardware to go around. What do you do with them? If they, if you put him back in a tag team, he has absolutely nowhere to go. And at least if you keep him as a singles, he could be sort of an outside contender for the TNT championship. I mean, I'd love to watch him and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, it'd be great. That'd be great. And supposedly the Briscoes on their way into AEW to add to that already ridiculous tag team division. Well, it's funny because the Briscoes are definitely an acquired taste. Um, They look much older than they actually are. But, you know, like my favorite Huckleberry RBV, you'd say, you know, when I look at my list of all the dream matches that I want to see, the Briscoes are in at least freaking half of them because they're just so damn good in the ring and they're so freaking believable. This is a true story. When we were at StarCast, we're downstairs. They have like this big like kind of meeting room and they've got like different people like set up throughout the room, right? Like almost like a convention style with all the tables, but they were wrestlers like doing like, you know, autograph signings and whatnot. And so Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi come walking in and it's like, oh my God, because Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega bring with them this massive flock of people. And as Carly and I were trying to get the hell out of there, I purposely went to a different way just so I didn't have to walk past the Briscoes. Jay Briscoe scares the shit out of me. <laughs> like straight up. That dude, something ain't right about that guy. Jay Briscoe, <laughs> like that dude is legit scary. Oh man, you know what? with Jay Briscoe. You Mark Briscoe, bump- the toothless wonder, like cool. <laughs> like he seems like a guy like me, Moxley, and, and Mark Briscoe. We can sit down, we can do shots <laughs> at Jaegermeister, drink a couple of beers. Jay Briscoe shows up, I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> what can Just you say saying? after that, man? What can you say after that? You legitly were like, fuck that. I'm fuck going that. that way. I would rather go through this mess <laughs> of people than walk past Jay Briscoe. That's awesome, That's man. Great. That's a great. That's a great story. Well, you don't want to run into him in a fucking chicken pen somewhere down, you know, at night. Put it that way. But, yeah, no, he's, he, they're crazy, man. The Briscoe brothers are absolutely crazy. And I'm actually excited to see where, where they go with them because, man, for years, like uh, uh, to the B to the V would say how, you know, then half of the of his dream matches. Well, think about it, man. How many years have we all been saying, imagine the Briscoes, you know, in WWE or AEW now, about time they get their what they what they've earned, man, because they've really earned to get this spot. And they're loyal too, man. They've always been loyal to Ring of Honor. Our buddy Pierce says that he wants to party with Jay Briscoe. Y'all Aussies are crazy and shit. <laughs> like, nope, not doing that. Other names supposedly leaving Ring of Honor and heading to AEW at this point. Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, Dalton Castle, Brody King, Dan Housen, Dragon Lee, EC3, Roosh, and Bandito. Um, there's a lot of people that are, what do you do with all that talent? Of all those guys that I just named off, I don't feel like any of them are quote unquote top tier talent 
at this point. I feel like they are talent for top tier talent to go out there and beat. Like, I, I feel like they are that next kind of level. And that's really what AEW needs. Because when I look at that roster, they've got a ton on top. They've got a ton on the bottom. That middle kind of tier of AEW is what's really, really missing. Because it goes from guys that you've never heard of to main eventers. Chris, I really like these signings in that respect, especially when it comes to guys like Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, that they can be in that TNT kind of level, maybe flirt with the main event, but that's about as close as you're going to get. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, for me, the three names that really stood out to me from this list were the Briscoes, who I believe are just, I mean, an excellent tag team. I mean, everything that they do is... I mean, they're believable. You can call them, a, you know, an acquired taste, and that's true. But, I mean, these guys, they made you actually want to go the other way. That's how, that's how believable they are. Um, Absolutely. You know, on top of that, you know, the other person who really intrigues me, and I know that I'm going to catch, catch some shit for this being the person from the IWC here, but um, EC3 who I honestly look at as um, almost like a Sean O'Hare in 2002. There's a superstar there. Someone just needs to figure out the right creative because he can talk. He's got the look. He he's solid enough in the ring that he can have a decent match that gets people's attention. Um, He's not going to give you a five-star classic every single night, but if you give him the right creative, I think there's something there that you could really pull out of that guy. And the rest of them, I mean, Roosh, you could say, is a main event talent, but he's also a pain in the ass. Um, And everybody else is, you know, I don't know. I think you're right. I think the TNT championship is about where you you slot most of the rest of them right now. Jimmy, the the difficult thing with Roosh, clearly the talent is there. I mean, without question. The guy looks like a million bucks. He wrestles like a million bucks. But unfortunately, the guy that you see on screen and the guy playing politics behind the scenes are very much the same guy. He kind of scares me a little bit inside of this AEW locker room. Well, I'm glad you you guys brought that up because I couldn't help but notice when I was just looking at, you know, on Facebook last night, you know, I saw the Ring of Honor, the official statement about what they're doing, right? But then I saw a comment, which I took a screenshot by Rush himself. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. Or no, not, I have not. But, well, let me read this out. He basically goes on to say that, thank you very much to all of the Ring of Honor fans who supported me since my arrival and taught me a lot. And I'll miss them a lot as well as my whole family in Ring of Honor. It will always be the house of, of the ungovernable. Thanks for teaching me to be a better person to become a better fighter, having been the face of a company for, for a long time and becoming a full champion twice once again. Thank you very much, and I wish at some point to return home. So, I mean, he touches on about being a better person, whether that's anything to do with, uh, you know, and if he's, you know, if he's being truthful about it, maybe we will see a different Rush in AEW. I mean, by maybe all accounts... By all accounts, Roosh loved Ring of Honor so much that he was basically faking an injury so he could sit out his contract <laughs> until it was oh, up wow. in January. So, I mean, you know, there's that. 
very Kevin Nash of him. But I mean, <laughs> there there are some names that I, I really, really do like on this list. Like I think Bondito is an absolutely incredible talent. Dragon Lee, I think, is one of the best professional wrestlers in the world, even though he broke my my favorite wrestler, Hiromu's neck. Um, EC3 is really good. Brody King, I think, could be a potential huge star for AEW. One of my friends asked me the other day, well, I, I, I've heard of Brody King, but I've never seen him. How do you des- describe Brody King to me? And I was like, well, imagine if CM Punk was six foot four and 350 huh. pounds. I mean, that's, that's pretty much. Oh, yeah. And he wrestles like a freaking luchador. You know, like it's it's absolutely insane what that guy can do. The one that really intrigues me is Dalton Castle. I wish this would have happened for him five years ago um, before he broke his freaking back carrying Ring of Honor on it. Uh, And then there's freaking Danhausen. Guys, I don't know how Danhausen fits on to, but I, I to be fair, I feel this way about Orange Cassidy too. I don't know how Orange Cassidy translates to the mass appeal, you know, the casual fan. Where are you guys at with Dan Housen? Chris, where are you at with Dan Housen? Because I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it either. And um, to me, I have the exact same complaint as like you, uh, as I do with, um, with Orange Cassidy. I, it's a yep. one note joke. It's the same joke told over and over and over again. We get it. You're a, you're a dork who thinks he's who thinks he's darkness. We 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 understand the whole, you know, I'm pretending to be dark, but it's very clear that I'm not dark. I'm actually a cute and cuddly little kitten man, but I'm going to pretend to be dark. Isn't this funny? It was funny right. like maybe the first time you saw it. After that, you're just going, "Can you please just like come up with a better joke, do something funny, do something interesting, you know, have a, have a match. That's really fun to me. You're right. They don't translate onto TV. These guys are great at house shows. These guys are great at your local VFA and they're local and they're great there because you see them once they tell their joke and then they go the fuck away for a year. Yep. I I completely agree. Our, Our boy Piers Austin in the chat. Shouts out to our, our boy, Josh, the goods woods. I think he would be great inside of the Legion of dragons <laughs> alongside with uh, Jonathan Gresham and Brian Danielson and Jay lethal and put together like basically a shooter faction. I think that would be great. I think McLovin would be fantastic in there. If you wonder why I call him McLovin, go back on the old hitting the marks feed and find that interview because it's absolutely freaking hilarious. I still call him that to this day. Three Aussies were signed to ROH that never even got showcased. Slex, Adam Brooks, and Kelly Ann. Uh, Jimmy T, are you familiar with these guys? I sure am. And Slex, that's a shame, man, because Slex has got the it factor about him if you actually watch enough of him believe me when i tell you when i tell you guys that and same with adam brooks kellyanne I'm, I'm, i haven't seen too much of her but it's a shame man i mean you, you know what i'm saying but in particular with adam brooks and slicks they should have had their chance to shine and unfortunately with what's going on with ring of honor they they just didn't get their chance you know what i mean but especially slicks man i think he could be a big deal in north america in my opinion Especially think, if, he was, if he was a little bigger, he'd be even more of a big deal. I think the biggest signing that AEW could get out of ROH right now is Roxy. 
the uh, women of honor champion because that women's division after seeing this main event guys absolutely needs talent that can wrestle like Roxy. Now I said, I had something good to say about Abaddon and I will say something good about Abaddon. She has lost a ton of weight and I think she looks great. I don't know about great. <laughs> well, for what she's trying to do, I think she looks great. Absolutely. Well, I think she overdoes it, man. You know what I was expecting to see in, and no offense to any female listener or any of our listeners for that matter. I'm, I was just waiting for all this blood to come out of her uh, her can. You know what I'm saying? That would have been really like, cool, actually. While, <laughs> while the blood's streaming out of her mouth, she's like, ah. Like the little s- segment before the match made me laugh. Yeah. Because Mark Henry was being was trying to be as serious as serious can be <laughs> to asking Abaddon a question and her reaction just going, bah. Yeah. And then him not reacting at all. Chris, <laughs> like, I, really? I think what we need to do is we need to put together a new faction inside of AEW since we like doing factions so much. We're going to call it the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> and it's going to be Orange Cassidy, Dan Housen, Abaddon. We're going to Marco Stunt. We're going to put them all together in one faction. So only one segment of television per week is, is used up by this crap. Because I don't know if the performer underneath of all of that crap, how good she is because she really tries to work the gimmick even inside of her style. But I just, the Abaddon character is another one, just like Orange Cassidy and Danhausen, that I just don't think belongs on a 52 week a year nationally televised pro wrestling show on the same show with Brian Danielson versus Eddie Kingston. I mean, I, I just, I, I cannot wrap my brain around that. I'm with you. And uh, yeah, the only, the only caveat that I would add to that, uh, that faction of misfit toys is they have to be managed by Mark Henry. So we can get some more uh, really brilliant uh, interview questions like, so, uh, you guys are wrestling tonight, aren't you? Uh, you going to try to win? That's cool. How about you? All right, back to you guys. Let's get to the main event. It, it, if it Good wasn't work, so canned and corny, you know, and the thing is, I, I, I listen to Mark Henry on Busted Open. The dude can talk. The dude can conduct an interview. Like... But for some yeah. reason, that red light comes on, and damn, as Ron uh, Simmons would say, like I, just, I, don't it, yeah. I didn't get it either. It's it's weird, dude. He can't talk. Like what the? He's fuck? great. Like, and he's he's insightful. He's interesting. You yeah, he's really good. Like, you're like, I want to know more <laughs> about this about this dude. Mark Henry's fantastic, <laughs> but his role here is just to be awful. <laughs> It's pretty mind blowing, man. It really What's is. What's more awful? The way Mark Henry has been produced inside of <laughs> AEW or this professional wrestling match? <laughs> oh, that's tough. I mean, we've got oh, thumbtacks. We've got super kicks with thumbtacks in the mouth. <laughs> we've got table spots multiple with the camera on them to call the table spot because the first table, it it didn't break. Right. So we have to set it up and then not break it again. 
and then we're gonna finish the match with a fucking schoolboy. <laughs> this, this company, man. What? Uh, what? I'm speechless. I'm actually speechless. <laughs> I'm actually speechless because I'm just gonna laugh. And the I'm thing that drives me crazy is Jerry Lynn is backstage as a producer. And like, I want Jerry Lynn to go back and think back to all those great and fantastic, amazing, some of my favorite matches of all time. Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn. I think it's one of the most underrated feuds of the Attitude Era. Go back and think of all those great matches, Jerry Lynn, and tell me how many of them ended with a fucking schoolboy. <laughs> After all that shit. After the Van Daminator, the Van Terminator, the Va- the Van McLovin, whatever, <laughs> like a fucking schoolboy. After all that, I would, <laughs> wow. I I, yeah. I I don't even know what to say about that. And I expect yeah, better from Brett. Backwards in terms of it's completely ass backwards in terms of storytelling. You you. First of all, you shot the zombie, and then you took out the, the <laughs> shotgun, and you shot the zombie, and then you took out the bazooka, and you bazookaed the zombie. Then you took a nuclear bomb, and you and you landed it on the zombie, and none of that beat the zombie. And then so you, you tied took her shoestrings together, and you just went <laughs> boop, and then you beat the zombie. Great, I, I, wonderful I, I, storytelling. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? And you, uh, I don't think I would be nearly as offended, Jimmy, if this was like Ruby Soho versus Abaddon. Like, I, I yeah. feel like the biggest reason I am so irritated by this is that they had the AEW Women's Champion involved in it. Yeah, it was spot on, man. It was the wrong matchup. It was just stupid. It was silly. It made both women look amateur, in my opinion, right? It really and you did, don't want to make your champion look amateur. And that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? This so. was exactly that was exactly my big problem on on Wednesday night. Was okay. You want to do the silly shit? You want to have some ha ha in your in your wrestling? I get it. I'm not against comedy wrestling. Like I can I can handle it as long as it's early on in the card and you've got people like the Dark Order who nobody really takes seriously doing it. When your world right. fucking champion <laughs> comes out dressed as a goddamn Ghostbuster with the title, you're doing something wrong. Bret Hart would never have done this spot. Stone Cold would never have done this spot. Okay, but I will counter that just a little bit, okay? In the respect that this is completely inside of Kenny Omega's character. It was not inside of Bret Hart's character. It was not inside but of it Stone Cold. Be. I, now, that part I completely agree with. But as Kenny Omega has been presented inside of AEW, this was completely in his character in something they've been doing for years. So in that respect, I give them a pass, although I agree it should not be a part of his character and it never should have been a part of his character. Jimmy, what do you think of champions doing this horse shit? Well, yeah, I was saying the pretty much the exact same thing about how this is not the first time they've done this. I was saying this on the skirmish as well. Like, this is like at first it made me laugh. Like, I get it because it's not the first time they've been dressed as uh, Ghostbusters before. Let's be honest, we've seen them dress up pre AW as Ghostbusters, right? Well, I mean, remember, I remember one year when like Kenny Omega dressed up as the princess from Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that and was wasn't it Fale that was dressed <laughs> up as the freaking genie and like the whole <laughs> cast? Like they, they've literally been doing this shit for years. Yeah. Nobody said it was good. I buried that shit then too. It was funny though, man. Especially what Marty Scrolls was but the monkey, I, I think. But I don't want the AEW World uh, Heavyweight Champion to be presented in this manner. That's true. It's one hundred percent true, man. That's but, facts. But it's true. I, I let's say moxley was the champion right now i don't think he'd be doing this because it's not in his character if jericho was champion he wouldn't be doing this because it's not in his character hangman page eh, (laughs) maybe in his character depending on the presentation but kenny omega yes unfortunately completely in his character and for better or worse it is what it is (laughs) but it is not at all a part of Britt baker's character this was the wrong matchup for Britt Baker. No. They should not have had her in this position. Facts. That's true. Yeah, it's 100% true. Why this match happened, who the fuck knows, man. And I just don't like how they bring women, or not just the women, but even the male wrestlers. They'll just randomly bring someone that we haven't seen in so long, unless you're catching up with Dark, you know what I mean, and Dark Elevation, and then expect it to be, look look what match we just set up, you know, blah, 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 like, like we're supposed to give a shit. I don't know, man. It doesn't work that way. But that's and, that sums up the show, though, too. And why wasn't there a host championship tournament match on this? <laughs> I mean, you mean the I, I, no, I mean the host championship. It says right on there, hose. Uh, that's true, man. Well, I would have rather had, had I would have rather had a host championship tournament match on this show <laughs> than a stupid gimmicky Halloween bullshit. What All they right. did. That's well, what John, I'm saying. Let me ask you something before we move on. What would you do with Abaddon? Is there a place for her in professional wrestling, for that matter? Um, the character or the performer because uh, the character that, not the performer the performer can perform I, I i would send that character back to the independent wrestling scene because i feel like that's where that character works it doesn't work on national television that's that's maybe my feeling it, on it maybe send it with a boogeyman yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely sure i mean she can make a bit of more love doing that doing that and i, I mean, mean you could, about- i think she's fine for like random one-off appearances but not opposite of your world champion, you know, and not 52 weeks a year. I, I just, she's not yeah, that I kind agree. of character to me. She just comes across as really ugly when she does that shit, man. So, I mean, she's, well, she's I mean, that something. part, that part doesn't bother me. I mean, right. I, what she does, I, I, I understand it. I just, I don't see how a zombie character outside of the undertaker works on a 52 week a year kind of, TV show. I, it just doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> that's someone that wouldn't be doing that shit. You know, that don't work for me, brother. And that's what Britt Baker should have said when she was announced <laughs> for this match. She should have went up to Tony Khan and just been like, that doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> Bad spot. Bad spot. 100% agree. Gentlemen, I believe that brings us to the end of the show. Chris, anything that you want to plug, promote, put over before we get out of here tonight? 
You know what? Um, instead of just uh, going with my socials or whatever, I, I, I would like to suggest um, something to Tony Khan as, um, as a bit of an olive branch, as I've made a lot of fun of him in the past. Um, you've just been handed a really great opportunity with all these ROH signings. You, you now have the Briscoes, CM Punk, and Danielson all on your roster. They are all relatively new. Put them together and write something for them. That's it. <laughs> get down with that. I can get down with that. Jimmy T of the PWC, the COVID kid. <laughs> Outside of the blow off, what do you want to plug, promote, and put over? Well, let's plug the blow off because uh, I believe we're recording later on tonight, my time. Tonight, your, you time, your time, tomorrow morning after I get some goddamn sleep, my time. <laughs> That's right. So check out, you know, check us out there, but also check us out at the PWC network, and please like and subscribe at atmarkmedia.com. Atmarkmedia.com, michaeljargo.com, hittingthemarks.com, and it all directs to the same website. But if you want a different <laughs> website to go to, you can go to destinopod.com. That will bring you to the, the newest episode of Destino. The audio form is going to be dropping probably tomorrow morning. The video form is already out. It is on YouTube. It is on Facebook. Myself and the vet. We sat down for about an hour and 45 minutes and broke down the G1 climax, top to bottom, all the injuries, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, and there's plenty of both. Um, fun show, fun show. Happy to get that one out. Uh, audio form will be dropping tomorrow. And then, of course, the blow-off with Jimmy T. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about Ring of Honor for probably about an hour. I, I imagine that's what's going to be going on tomorrow on the blow-off. Should be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. See what I can say and not get fired. Uh, but that'll wrap things up for us here at Rampage Uncaged as part of the Hameen Media Group over at channelattitude.com. Make sure that you go over there, like, subscribe, Patreon, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you next week back here on an all-new edition of Rampage Uncaged. We'll talk to you then. Peace. Peace.